my fellow plebs. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Moon Mortgage. As the world moves increasingly towards the mainstream adoption of Bitcoin and other digital assets, Moon Mortgage makes it possible to materialize your assets into real estate. Through the collateralization of mortgages with Bitcoin and other digital assets, Moon Mortgage will be launching lending solutions to allow investors to easily leverage their assets to purchase investments in owner-occupied property. Moon Mortgage's crypto mortgage will be launching soon for home buyers in Texas, Florida, and Colorado, and will also be open to investors in most states across the U.S. for investment properties. Welcome to the future of mortgages. Visit moonmortgage.com today to register and learn more. Moon Mortgage Residential is registered with the NMLS under number 235334. What is up, Bitcoiners? Welcome back to another episode of FedWatch. My name is Ansel Lindner, and I am here with my special co-host once again, Nolan. How are you doing today, Nolan? Ansel, I love life. It's been a great couple of days, right? The whole world's paying attention to Bitcoin with everything that's going on. Everyone's paying attention to what it is you pay attention to all the time. Fed news, all kinds going on, all kinds. All kinds of news going on. It's hard to whittle it down to the most important thing every week because it does seem like there's multiple big news items of the week. But we have whittled it down to talking about Bitcoin and Bitcoin's price pump this week a little bit. Producer price index, Those that's like the flip side of the coin of CPI is PPI. So we're going to talk about that. And then talk a little bit about Davos. So Davos hates Bitcoin. What's new? So we're going to go through an article on that on a panel that they had about Bitcoin over there. And lastly, followed up with BIS stuff. The BIS wants to ban Bitcoin, of course, so we will be diving into that. Before we get started, guys, make sure you like and subscribe this stream. We are streaming on YouTube and Rumble, so a lot of times we like to have a competition. How many live viewers can we get between the two platforms? So make sure you're subscribed and you like this episode so other people can find this live stream. All right, Nolan, what do you think about today's topics? And uh, do you have anything to plug, man? Well, I always like to plug The Breakup every morning, 8 a.m. You can watch it on YouTube. You can watch it on Twitter. Sometimes we use Rumble, but it's a bit of a pain to get it up there. But like what Ansel was saying, the Rumble algorithm treats us really well. So I've got to try and find a way to make it work. Awesome. Yeah, just an admin for me is check out BitcoinAndMarkets.com. That's where I do all of my content. You can find my daily podcast there. You can listen to the daily live stream like Nolan. I do a daily live stream roughly midday every day on Twitter and YouTube and Telegram. So check all that out at bitcoinandmarkets.com. Okay, let's get into the Bitcoin price pump this week. First things first, got to talk about Bitcoin. So Chris, can we have slide numero uno? There we go. And uh, we've talked about several of these resistance zones for a long time. And you can see that it flew right through the 17,000 to 18,000, that price range there that was, I thought, going to add or have a lot of resistance flew right through, right through the 200 day, which is the orange line. And we have struggled to break up above the FTX, pre, the pre-FTX high. So if you go to the left there back in November, that was the high right before FTX, then FTX crashed it down. So you can see we've made a lot of progress, but we have kind of gotten to a place where we're somewhat oversold on the daily still. So I think we could come down and hopefully find support on the 200 day and then continue up higher. But it does have a feeling that crypto spring is here, or at least there's some thaw on the ground. So Nolan, what, what's your thoughts about the price well here? I'd say at the very least, they should keep tuning in to you because this is exactly what you predicted on the show last week, if I'm not mistaken. You were really looking at these exact bounds and before it had made that run in the green that you see, you had been saying that's the next move for it to make logically based on the consolidation you were seeing at the bottom. So your prediction was true. That's pretty a pretty neat thing to turn around like that. So no, I, you know, I guess my only thought on all the thing I covered, and not that I believe it, but and and yeah. I appreciate that it even came out was the Tucker Carlson theory. You know, now I don't. I'm not promoting it. Don't think it's true. Something happened, and we don't know. I only want to look into it. But it was this. It was that the day all the flights grounded 
was last week raped around now, if I recall, as we were doing the show, we were dealing with the outage of all airplanes. Yep. And they said it was back and then it happened in Canada the next day. So what's going on with all that? And Tucker Carlson, now, don't know if it's true, right? But what I saw was $40 billion in volume. And if we would wonder if a six or $7 billion ransom would be measured in any of this stuff. Well, 40 billion is a lot, and it looks like that's what the volumes were that day, but it kind of blends into the volume averages from the days around. So, you know, not, not, we're not, we're here to look at the numbers and uh, some of the bigger trends. So everything that went on with, with Tucker, I think is worthwhile and, and fun kind of, right? Yeah. But wondering about all that is, is important for what we do too, you know? Yeah. We'll never know. I think a cyber attack makes more sense than the official story. So at least there is that. And I would say if they're going to buy, if they're going to buy Bitcoin, they, they wouldn't do it on the market. They would probably do it, you know, over the counter with somebody. And what that would do is dry up liquidity on from market makers on the exchanges. So you might notice a little bit of an increase in, in volume on the exchanges, but really they, they wouldn't go and do like market buys or something. So there, there isn't really any fingerprints to find is what I'm trying to say. So it's, it is speculation, but it, it makes more sense to me than the official story. So. And, and interesting that we live in a world where insecure centralized systems are being exploited mm -hmm. for the benefit of decentralized systems. So, you know, Bitcoin wins, everyone went to fly that day, no good, but do you want to be flying in a system that can be crippled so easily? Right. If, if that yeah. brings you reassurance, maybe, but seeing these two forces compete, just in theory, is pretty interesting for, for a macro outlook and not one you're going to find in most macro shows, right? Yeah, and, you know, there's no bad press for Bitcoin. So when these people that were affected, I mean, millions of people were affected by this FAA shutdown, they now have been, once again, had a touch point with Bitcoin. And... People say, oh, it's going to link Bitcoin to criminals. But no, I don't think so, because criminals don't want to get paid in, you know, fake money. They want to get paid in real money. Mm -hmm. Right. And so they're not like <laughs> they're not robbing the banks to get a bunch of paper. They're robbing the banks to get the diamonds and the gold bars and the, the real money. And so, yeah, this this is a touch point for people to expose them to the idea of Bitcoin as real money. Even though there is this slight little negative connotation to it, there is, you know, that doesn't affect on Bitcoin. It's like if they would have asked for gold, let's say somebody has a ransom and they ask for gold, that shouldn't have a negative connotation against gold. I mean, obviously they want good money. So yeah, this is the same thing with Bitcoin. And, and every time we can get it in the press like this, I, I don't think there is any bad press for Bitcoin. So, yeah, I put in my I put in my own bio around Bitcoin that the minute I saw the drug dealers using it, I said, eh, this thing has legs. This thing <laughs> yes. has legs, right? For other reasons, for other reasons. But once you see it there, it's real. You know, it's real. Yeah, and I don't know if I've said it on the show here. I've been saying it on my live streams. Is Andreas Antonopoulos? He said, if you can't buy drugs with it, it's not money. Yeah. And I think if you if you can't accept ransom in it, it's not money. Right. Yeah, so I, that I, is very similar. Wise. Andreas is always yeah. the wisest among us. And I, I think I agree. That's probably where I got it from, too. When people were criticizing Silk Road, that, that those were my thoughts. You know, well, that's pretty cool. You know? Yeah. So where, where are you thinking? Do you have any thoughts on any sort of near or midterm price targets? Do you think we're my, actually my thawing? It was, my instinct says it was a bear trap and, and there's, there's more of this sideways stuff to come. But, you know, as long as I don't have any skin in the game, I get these things right. Yeah. The minute I would start putting money on this, I'm sure the price would go up. I would inverse Kramer it. So my, my feeling is we still, we need the narrative, right? And in these sideways markets, it's one thing to be contrasting with everything that's going on with FTX that's good for Bitcoin. I still think that the next wave of attention to Bitcoin will come from things like the sovereign debt bubble actually having trouble, real estate bubbles actually having trouble. And more importantly, though, it can't just be negative news. I still think the next cycle comes with energy finance stories. And the Bitcoin mm. miners just aren't in a position right now to be dreaming at the scale they will be in a few months i don't i don't think it's going to take too long i think by the summer you're going to be hearing conversations you know 
That's why at Bitcoin in Miami, May 18th to 20th, we're going to be talking about energy literacy the same way people have financial literacy since they first went down the Bitcoin rabbit hole. After they're going to have in Europe, after the cold weather, after even what we saw during that storm over the Christmas holidays where yeah. some estimates say a million homes ended up receiving heat because the whole grid was and therefore excess capacity could be delivered once prices were too high to actually mine and it would go back to individual people. So, you know, there's going to be all kinds of conversations now, even this whole ridiculous thing you hear everyone debating about the, the propane stoves, right? We talked about it on the show last <laughs> week. Yeah. You know, there's nothing, you know, I, the debate itself was predictable as we've seen. Doomberg predicted this debate about stoves months ago because he said, there's going to be better markets for the natural gas abroad and American companies are going to sell them and therefore put PR around it. So he was just, you know, coming up with what he thought was going to happen. Mm. And it did. It did happen. But nevertheless, Americans are going to just be more conscious of, of the energy choices that are out there for them. And they're talking about it more. And, and that's how Bitcoin is really going to click, right? When Bitcoin actually starts forming the major metric for energy markets. And we're going to talk about that more today, but I'm sure we're going to be mentioning a bit about BRICS too and all these other things, the these gold stable coins, the other energy market folks are coming up with. Of course, all of this is going to fail and their failures are going to be the main thrust for Bitcoin next. That's how I see it. And, and those narratives are just getting primed right now. So I, yeah. I you know, but, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Well, you bring up the sovereign debt bubble, and that was going to be one of the stories that we we're touching on here first. And th it has to do with the U.S. debt ceiling being hit so i have a story here this is from ms is it msnbc who is it from nbc news and i just want to read a little bit here and then we can discuss it so the u.s government hit its statutory debt limit on thursday and the treasury department said it has begun resorting to quote unquote extraordinary measures to pay the bills in a letter to congressional leaders thursday treasury secretary janet yellen said those special financial tools to meet the country's obligations can continue until at least Monday, June 5th. After they expire, Congress will need to act to prevent default. Yellen said in the letter that the period of time that extraordinary measures may last is subject to considerable uncertainty, including the challenges of forecasting the payments and receipts of the U.S. government months into the future. And I want to highlight receipts because, yeah, if we are going into recession of some sort or at least an earnings recession or something like that, the receipts paid into the government are going to make that deficit greater. So continuing here, the, I respectfully urge Congress to act prompt, promptly to protect the full faith and credit of the United States, like raising the debt ceiling is going to do that. All right, continuing here, just a couple more sentences. This was the, let's see, Jason Smith of Missouri. He's on the House Ways and Means Committee. He said, quote, instead of attacking his political opponents, President Biden should be spending this time working with House Republicans to add the, to address the debt ceiling in a way that imposes some fiscal sanity. Otherwise, the president is simply scheduling America's ne next debt crisis. We should be dealing with the debt ceiling without conditions. It is important. We're not going to negotiate on this, said another. Oh, this was Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary. Scrolling down in this story, we cannot raise the debt ceiling, said Andy Biggs, representative from Arizona, Tuesday on Twitter. Democrats have carelessly spent our taxpayer money and devalued our currency. They've made their bed, so they must lie in it. And that is the extent of the article. One, one thing I'll say is we go through these all the time. And we were talking there before the show. When I was in the military, they, you know, we had these debt ceiling problems come up. And every time it got close to not paying the troops, they've solved the debt ceiling. So that that's like, if it goes past that and there is like, say, one month where the troops aren't getting paid, then I will start to worry about it. But until then, this is all just political theater. Your thoughts, Nolan? Yeah, it's pageantry. You want to believe this time it will be different with Congress sort of changing its form and scope recently with all that, you know, last week's major thing with the speaker and all of those votes, if you remember just yeah. last week when that was the number one story. So some people at that time when all that was going on saying that this kind of thing would be on the negotiating table, they would actually let the government defaults and they would not buckle with this debt ceiling thing. So I think it's kind of a win-win, right? If if they actually don't do it, we get yeah. to see how things operate without anyone steering the ship. 
maybe they're okay. We'll find out, right? But, you know, again, it's pageantry, and I think we're all pretty confident that they'll do it. If they don't, fun for Bitcoin, I would say. If they do, then more more of the sideways stuff I was talking about yesterday and pageantry. And, and we are indeed dealing with the psychological commodities that are Bitcoin and the dollar. And this is more stretching on an already thin and taxed psychology, as far as I can tell. Yeah, I remember last time that they were going through the debt ceiling, they got months into this where they had to do extraordinary measures like Janet Yellen is saying here. And it was basically cutting programs back. They cut mm -hmm. funding for many things. Mm -hmm. And I think it, it exposed that we don't need that government spending. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. the, the government functioned just fine mm -hmm. when they were running at half capacity. Like, why mm -hmm. do we need to be spending all this money? And so I don't, I don't think they're willing to risk the public catching on to that. What do you think? Yeah. Is that is that in the yeah? Mind I mean, too? ultimately, ultimately, absolutely. If you go back, you know, I was talking about a thread I read about World War One and where debt-based currencies really came from at the beginning of the Fed. Remember, the Federal Reserve and the Social Security system come in at the same time, right? And so does the income tax. All of this stuff happens at once. And I've thought for a long time that if Bitcoin is going to take on the Fed Reserve system. In the end, collateral damage will be the other systems that were born with it at the same time, like the mm. social security system with the income tax and, and just the way it, it was the way it functioned. And so we're seeing that now. I mean, everyone now that we've stretched the psychology of money printing to its limit, people are indeed asking the question they should have been asking from the beginning. Why do I have to pay taxes? If you well, can yeah, just the, put it on a number and it's a thing and a stuff, do it. The, there know? was a bill just introduced right in the House where they got rid of the income tax and the IRS yeah. in the same yeah. bill. So, I mean, well, yeah, this, this has been a talking point for a long time, but you know, it's, it's getting more and more upfront where yeah. pe you know, people are talking yeah. about it. So yeah. anyway, that's all I had for the debt ceiling. Let's jump into the producer price index. So I have a few slides here, Chris, there we go. Number one here is the PPI final for, de for December, the demand declines zero point, sorry, geez. 0.5% in December, goods fall 1.6%, services increase by 0.1%. And I have a few slides here, so next slide, please. This is the basic month-over-month -month producer price index. And like I said there at the very front intro, this is like the flip side of the coin to consumer price index. So this is what the producers get from selling it to the retailers. And the CPI is what the retailers get from selling it to the public, to the consumer, the end consumer. As you can see, this is a total reading here month on month at negative 0.5% in December. This is the second negative month for producer price index. And it's pretty bad. I mean, this is the lowest other than COVID. You have to go back to 2014 and then before that 2009. So yeah, this is some major, major contraction in the producer price index, which goes along with what I have been saying that this quote unquote inflation or CPI that we've seen all these price increases are transitory and we're going to see massive slowdowns on these in 2023. I expect just like this is negative half a percent. I expect to see something like this on CPI in the next couple months as well. So yeah, that's going to force down the headline CPI number very, very quickly. Now Powell is seeing this, right? Powell sees all these things out there, chairman of federal reserve. He's, he's, taking these into consideration in the back of his mind, but they are still ruled by our star, which is the employment rate. They, that's all they really care about is the employment rate. So until that starts going down, I don't think we're going to see any major, at least narrative shifts. We could see a pause here in rate hikes, but the narrative shift won't happen until we start seeing some declines in employment. So I have a few more charts, but do you have anything here, Nolan, to add to this first section? Yeah, I think the the last that you mentioned last week, you know, there's a whole month delay in how you know, different calibrations end up manifesting in the number. What I'm hearing you yeah. say is that the PPI is slightly ahead of the consumer end, they're, they're first in line in the production process. But this brings back to our major conversation from last week about the overshooting. And if, if I'm correct, what you say, they don't really care about these numbers right now. It's all about more or less demand destruction, fewer people to spend money 
is the fastest way to slow the broad base of the consumer economy down, which looks like is is the goal. Is that is that what I'm supposed to understand? Yeah, well, they, they'll admit that their policy, if it does work, monetary policy, it, that it works with a major lag. You'll hear that constantly, that our monetary policy works on a lag, and that could be anywhere from six to 18 months. You know, there's a big, long lag with monetary policy. So I would say, like, look at this. That, that's why they always pivot late. They always are behind the eight ball on their pivots because they are, it takes a long time for their policy to work, but they react to data dependency. They have, they, they'll say they're data dependent. So if you're data dependent and your policy has a year and a half lag, you're by definition always going to be behind the eight ball. And that's what the Fed is looking at here. So yeah, and I, I know if the Powell sees this, like I said, but it really doesn't, I don't think it factors into his thought process. Okay, let's let's go into the next couple slides here, Chris. So this is a little bit busy. It's showing goods, food, and energy, and I break it down here a little bit more. So next slide is just looking at goods. So this is, you know, not food, not energy, and not services. This is just goods, like you would buy widgets out there. And you can see it crashed negative 1.6% in December. And this, again, this is the producer price index. So this is a huge, huge decline. On the next slide, the reason why I wanted to break it out for these two is because this is energy and you can see it's almost down at negative 10%. Negative 10, it's about negative 8%. So it doesn't even fit onto the chart with the other one that's at negative 1%. But yeah, energy, and food they're very volatile like this like you can see and so that's why they look at core so if you go to core i think it's the next slide core is showing that we're still positive on core when you take out that huge negative energy print and the food print then you get core and it's still slightly positive but what i want to point out about this chart is one term or one saying that I've been using a lot over the last couple of years is that we're going to return to a post GFC normal of low growth and low inflation. And you can see in this chart, that's exactly what it appears to be doing. It's returning to, you know, very, very low PPI. That is a world that has no growth, no vibrancy, no positivity, no hope. That is what we're returning to is a period of low growth and low inflation. So Nolan, any comments on these kind of different components of the PPI? We're going to be getting into the WEF real soon, but that's what Larry Fink, the, uh, the great sponsor of WEF said. System itself yeah. is constrained in its imagination now because it lacks hope in these things. Yeah, I was actually going to think about playing that that clip, but I decided not to because I didn't have it ready in time. But yeah, I thought it was interesting because they make their money off of fear mongering and spreading not hope, you know, spreading fear and FUD and all of that stuff. So they're responsible for, they are actually the ones responsible for crushing hope out there. And Bitcoin is the source of hope. So I thought that was very interesting. Hey plebs, today's podcast is brought to you by Crowd Health. Open enrollment is upon us. What if you didn't have to pay healthcare premiums anymore? What if you could invest in Bitcoin instead? With Crowd Health, you can put aside money for health expenses in your own account and even hold a large part of it in Bitcoin. If Bitcoin goes up, you get the upside, not the big insurance companies. Pay one low monthly total to fund an account that is yours. Choose your doctors and hold 75% of the funds in Bitcoin. If a large expense comes up, CrowdHealth will crowdfund the bill for you to pay quickly. Stop supporting the broken health insurance system with your hard-earned capital. Go to CrowdHealthBTC.com and use code BTCMAG and experience freedom from health insurance by utilizing Bitcoin right now through the end of the year. You can get your first six months for just $99 per month. Don't get stuck in a bad insurance plan again. Instead, go to CrowdHealthBTC.com and use code BTCMAG to sign up. That's CrowdHealthBTC.com, promo code BTCMAG. CrowdHealth is not health insurance. It is a totally different way of paying for healthcare. Terms and conditions may apply. My fellow plebs, come celebrate Bitcoin winner in Miami at Bitcoin 2023. 
the largest Bitcoin conference in the world, returns to Miami from Miami 18th to 20th. Head on over to b.tc forward slash conference to get your tickets today. Use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off your tickets before prices go up. Plebs, if you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, then you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's a free and a paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts Dylan LeClaire, Dr. Jeff Ross, and Sam Rule break down what's going on in the market so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com. All right, well, let's break into Davos. So I wanted to, of course, Davos is the World Economic Forum. They're meeting in Davos, Switzerland. They're headquartered in Geneva, but they've been meeting since 1971. They were just some background here. They originally were called the European Management Forum, and they were founded around Klaus Schwab's ideas of stakeholder capitalism. Of course, that is just socialism light. That's what he started this as, a stakeholder capitalism, where you had a duty and a responsibility to the world more than just your shareholders. You had stakeholders that you had to serve. So that is a socialist idea. Anyway, in 1974, Father Kamara, who was the founder of liberation theology, he was an outright communist. He was persona non grata in the West, but he was invited to speak at Davos. And guess what? Klaus Schwab called him his spiritual father. So Klaus Schwab called this massive commie his spiritual father. Anyway, and you can see this strand of Marxism and communism all the way through the WEF with their great reset where you won't have any private property. You won't own, you'll own nothing and be happy, right? That, that's a straight out, it could be a communist manifesto talking point. So that if people wonder why I call them global Marxists, it's because they are global Marxists. A shorthand we can also use is just globalists or Davos man is what Tom Luongo, friend of the show, what he calls him is Davos man. So that's some history on Davos. Do you, do you have anything to add for that before we get yeah. into the main article? Yeah. The, the advice they had two years ago for Sri Lanka was you can make it without fertilizer. Complete collapse. And then last year, their advice was FTX is a really good feature of investing. And that <laughs> yeah, it didn't work out so good. There two years ago was Putin, and then last year was Xi, and I guess that's not working out so well either. So they have a real history of getting things wrong. And now, what you have to understand about them, like Ansel said, they began as a conference. It still is a conference, right? It's just a conference. It's a show. It's a show. And it used to be regarded as the most important, let's say, financial show. But as you said, it really was the financial, you know, economic show, but for the managerial class, right? It was a managerial class thing. And that's really where yeah. it came from. I don't know if you knew this, but Switzerland is where they invented the MBA. The MBA comes from the Swiss hotel restaurant degrees. Oh, really? Uh, these hotel, yeah, these hotel restaurant degrees were about managing these uh, huge resorts, and you had to understand marketing. You had to understand, you know, shows, right? So, so the whole framework we have for the MBA was borrowed from the Swiss hotel restaurant management system. To this day, if you want to work for an NGO, that's what you do. If you're like a rich East Coast kid and you want to go work for, for, let's say, the Red Cross or one of these, that's what you do. You go to hotel restaurant school in Switzerland and drafted immediately after not to a hotel or a restaurant. You've been, you know, according to them, received the greatest MBA education you can get. We repackaged the whole <laughs> product for business school in America, but that's really where it comes from, right? It actually comes from Switzerland. So, but we do a show. So, so now that they've discredited themselves, right, now that everyone has turned them into this meme and look show and they're not a transparent one so we don't understand the pay-to-play nature of the whole uh, as i understand you pay about six hundred and fifty thousand to be a member of the federation and then once you're a member of the federation you can help shape the agenda you can help say what they're going to be talking about you can do those kinds of things but it's it's based on that fee system and here's the weird part normally in america if you're a politician, for example, pay to play events, you're not allowed to go that there's all kinds of rules around that. I know because I manage what will be now, I think the largest financial event in the world. I think Bitcoin 2023, now that Davos has outed itself as a commie show fully, and it's now in the popular mind and has been used to sort of understand memetically what's wrong with the world right now. Yeah. 
the WEF is just a show again, right? Like the the I I think we should laugh at them. They're ridiculous. Da 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 da. I don't lose sleep over these folks, right? And what they do and all their other stuff. But nevertheless, they're great to start to focus the attention on what's wrong with this type of thinking to begin with, and they can't help but expose themselves every day. We should encourage them to meet more often because it's funny. (laughs) Once a month. We had, you know, what did John Kerry say? That he's an extraterrestrial because he's been touched. Select people have been touched to save the world. And then he gave the answer that we're interested in, right? He's been touched. He's the select person. But what's the answer? Money, 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 money. He said it straight (laughs) up exactly as I said it now. Money, 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 right? So all of these folks that helped build this event now, I think, have abdicated what the role used to be. And it used to be a place that was sort of in the mainstream, right? It was an event that made it into Mm -hmm. the mainstream of consciousness and people paid attention for a little while and now has become this great joke. And that's perfect timing for us because I think in many ways our show is the actual contrast, right? Like we're, we're not talking about, you know, how, how ESG and what energy you should limit yourself with at our show. We're going to talk about how to get rich off of what's happening in energy, right? So the good news is, the good news is with all of their craziness, they've made the battle lines clear. And it looks like in our world of Bitcoiners to fight against them, our biggest way to protest is to get rich and <laughs> yep. <laughs> and share our knowledge and, and skills and systems with everyone who's like-minded. That's what makes Bitcoin more and more like a country, I think, right? Is that, you yeah. know, we share all these ideas and, and we come together. So. Anyway, I, I encourage the WEF to keep it up. It's great. It's really great contrast for Bitcoin. It's great contrast for our events, right? We're the anti-WEF now officially. Like, I think officially we're actually it, you know? And that's a good Yeah, that's, that's a good narrative right there. Well, it's true. It's true. It's sort of the same subjects, except totally different, <laughs> you know? Mirror and totally different solutions. And, and as Mr. Fink is worried, oh, where's the hope? Right? Come to our show. It's a great time. It's full of hope. We're all happy. We all think the world's going great, right? We can't, get, we can't get enough of this stuff. Let's go. Let's rock. What's up in Japan? What's up with the sovereign debt? When's this going to collapse? You know, it, who knows what tomorrow will bring? Who knows, right? Oh man, so many good points there. I think we can see some of what you're talking about in this article. So if we can pull that headline back up, Chris. So this is just a article that goes over a panel that they had about crypto regulation. Okay, it's really how do we put a noose around Bitcoin's neck and just call it crypto. But I have a few quotes here from it. So if you go to the next slide, they were speaking on a panel and this was Singapore's senior minister, Tharman, long last name that I'm not going to pronounce, and also the ECB's governing council member, Francois, another last name that I'm going to butcher. So Tharman and Francois. And anyway, here we go. So speaking at a panel on the challenges facing banks, this Tharman from Singapore and Francois from the ECB emphasized the need for crypto regulation, a sentiment echoed by UBS Group AG chairman, Cole Keller. Keller had kicked off the conversation on digital assets by commenting that regulars had, quote, taken their eye off the ball with respect to the non-banking sector. What I thought was interesting about this quote is that they never had their eye on the ball to begin with. They didn't take their eye off the ball. They've always been four years behind. You know, where were they? Where, Where were the regulators when we had the ICO scams? Where were the regulators when we had the DeFi and the leverage and the FTX? Well, do you know where they were? The regulators were talking with Sam Bankman. They were taking money from Sam Bankman, right? So who's going to regulate the regulators? That's what we should be asking. They, they never had their eye on the ball, let alone taking their eye off the ball. Yeah, so, and I, um, I actually booked that Singapore minister, Tharman, years ago. I've met him and oh. I booked him for a show in 2018. And we wrote a headline based exactly on what he said, that he was going to make Singapore a place where we would know what was okay and what wasn't. So this is 2018, just after the ICOs, right? Yeah. He said, we're going to figure out how to do this the right way. And we're going to be a place that everyone's going to come. And we, we recorded it. It was broadcast live. We wrote an article with that as the headline, Singapore going to create a thing. He had us on the phone until midnight that night, complaining and crying and saying, I never said I was going to do that. You guys put words in my mouth. Are you <laughs> serious? Was, yeah, it was a big deal. Wow. And, and, you know, we were there and we were, 
you know, we were all trying to like, you know, because, you know, I was on the event team and the journalists did it because we invite our journalists. This was when I was with Coindesk and we would invite our journalists and they come and, you know, the journalists were reporting on this guy, Tharman, and saying, you know, what did he say? And he said exactly, he was playing with the crowd, I guess, right? <laughs> he was playing right, with the crowd, yeah. but he said exactly what you're saying. Like, he, he wasn't even willing to admit literally four years ago what they're asking him to talk about now, right? He just wasn't yeah. willing to admit it at the time. And he, and he even said it out loud. <laughs> and then even I had to say, so I came in, that, that's the story. I came in and I listened to the recording to make sure what the journalist wrote was exactly that, to know who to back, right? Because you, mm. you're not going to put pressure on a journalist because someone said they didn't say that. If they, if they really didn't say it, then, okay, I'm, I'm sort of on your side. I'm not, I'm not going to let a journalist make wor you know, put words in your mouth. That, that's not their job. But that's not what we saw. And in the end, I had to, even though it was more of a pain for me, I had to side with the journalist, right? Like it was easier for me to listen to Tharman. I was the connection, right? So I booked him. So, and then they said, we'll never deal with you again. And they, now they get to go to WEF. So that's okay. We don't need them. <laughs> we don't need them. <laughs> yeah. We'll never deal with you again. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like what kind of a speaker are you? You come and I can't use your words that you say as, and you're a speaker. What's the point? You know, right. you're a speaker. <laughs> you're not a not speaker. Right? You're not a, here's some words, you can only use some of them. You, you spoke. It's done. Game None over. of this was off the record. This is all None on the record. The record. Yeah. We're literally yeah. a news service. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you are here to make news. You know, other than that, I don't know what you're doing here. I'm not here to hang out with you, you know? Oh, so he has history with the space. That's interesting to hear. All mm -hmm. right, let's go, let's go on to the next quote here. This is still Keller from, I think it was UBS, right? He was UBS AG. Quote, all of them have one common feature, and he's talking about crypto here. Crypto, like mixing in not only businesses and exchanges and exchange-based tokens like FTT and Binance Coin, but he's lumping in all tokens and, and including Bitcoin. So all of these things have one common feature. They're all linked with non-banks. And here we lag behind. It's more difficult because... It's a very evolving landscape, he said. We should rush to some urgent non-bank regulation, starting with cryptos. For Singapore's Thurman, quote, things, some things are very clear. Whether it's crypto or traditional finance, we've got to regulate the things like money laundering. But he suggested that regulating crypto assets, crypto assets, through a banking lens risked legitimizing an asset class he described as inherently speculative and slightly crazy. So what I have to say about this is that, okay, I, we've been saying this for a very long time in Bitcoin, that if the Fed actually comes out and bans it, what they do is they legitimize it. They say that they're scared of it. They say that there's something there to be banned, right? It, either it's a joke as Jamie Dimon said this morning or whatever out there or said today in Davos that Bitcoin is just a simple scam and a huge fraud. If, if it's a joke, why do we need to have coordinated regulation around the world? So the more that they go after it, the more they legitimize it as a real commodity, as a real asset class. And I would say here, if you want to talk about something that's inherently risky and slightly crazy, just look at the WEF's talking points. Okay, just look at ESG. Just look at all this stuff. That stuff is a little bit more than slightly crazy. Just look at Klaus Schwab in his Emperor of the Universe garb and say he's not slightly crazy. All right. So that's all I got. What do you got, Nolan, on this well, quote? How about this? You know, I, I think so. Here, here's how I'll start and I'll, and I'll work there. I'm a big supporter. I'm going to give my full throated encouragement and support for UBI as a the Bitcoiners case for UBI. And I'll tie it to these guys, because when the Bitcoin, when hyper Bitcoinization happens, it's going to break so many brains like just that they're not, they're not going to be able to work and do stuff anymore. <laughs> like they're not going to be functional. So we got to be imaginative what we're going to do with everyone who was, you know, a, a minister of the economy and economist. Bureaucrat. What are we gonna, yeah, a journalist. What are we going to do with these people? Right. So I got a game. I got a game. We're going to make, and I, people, it's going to generate revenue. That's why it's going to generate attention, right? People are going to watch, gonna people are going to spend Bitcoin watching this. And it is make the Davos people live in the Davos they describe. Like mm. just make them live in, in a world. Like, they thought that would like Survivor. 
like Survivor, you know? <laughs> so you, you basically just say, well, you know, we're going to put you in this game and it's going to be a one big incentive trap, right? The whole thing is going to be an or, incentive trap. It's and, gonna... they can, <laughs> and they can get off the island when they, when they repent. <laughs> when they repent, they know. can get off the no, island. I want, I want it to be one of these things like, you know, how people have had to navigate all of these things as poor people. I want it to be one of these things where you have to choose between like not going on vacation, you know, I don't know, like eating terrible food for a week or something. Like those are the prizes, you know what I mean? Like slightly better food or slightly shitty vacation or just, just, just a real hoot, right? A real hoot, like, like a real flip. Right. So yeah, basically just these impossible choices that normies have had to make for years where you can't win because you're stuck in this incentive trap and, and, and that things would be funny. Like watching Jerome Powell say, oh, I can't go on vacation this year. I would watch that. Like if there's some kind of game where he doesn't win a vacation at the end, you know, I don't know. Call me a jerk. Call me crazy. But that's what I want to see. And I also think the other idea that I saw was for this came from Elon Musk, that we should have another trivia game where if, if it was said on 4chan or WEF, and then you have to guess which was the crazier. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. So you don't get to know which one it is, right? And then you have to answer, was that set on 4chan or was that set on web? That could be a good game show for the, for, for the, you know, for now. So the UBI thing for the Davos man, I think that's a given. I think, I think every Bitcoiner in the end is going to get behind that. In the end, we all are going to be UBI supporters just to make sure Davos man is secured after hyper Bitcoinization. And it, it could be hell of entertaining stuff. We might even bring a bunch of these Davos men to like, look at them at the future iterations of Bitcoin 2027. Put them behind glass. What was it like when people listened to you? Was it funny? You know, when everyone had to listen to what you had to say. Remember when you put masks on people? Was that funny? You know, you know. We'll, we'll see how many needles you can take to win a vacation. You know, and give them a bunch of needles. You know, how many or like uh, can you fit in your body before Christmas? You know, like the Spartans. They used to. They, the the I guess the meme is that they put their kids out in the elements right yeah. to see if they yeah. would survive but this yeah. is like grown this is adults you know we're yeah. doing this with the wf people we're gonna put them out in the elements to see if they can survive yes. okay yeah. all right well we let's, can let's, only let's, hope guys we can only hope one let's day. keep going with some of these quotes here so this next one is from keller again he's the chief ag at ubs and he said or he echoed a refrain that has become common among executives at both traditional financial institutions and crypto companies quote we are looking for a regulatory framework that will allow us to accommodate that for our clients he said referring to the desire by some ubs customers to invest in digital assets so even if they do regulation they have to carve out some way to let it survive because their clients actually want it. I think that's like the dissonance in these, these comments are just crazy. So let's continue here. Keller was bullish on the underlying technology of blockchain, describing it as unstoppable while sounding a note of caution about the current difficulty of ensuring compliance with laws and policies around know your customer and anti-money laundering. I think that this, also shows that they know, they know Bitcoin's unstoppable. They know it, but they're just going to claim it's blockchain. So they're going to put it off on the blockchain and not mention Bitcoin being unstoppable. So any thoughts on that? Or I have one more quote that will wrap it up. What do you got? Yeah, I do. Talking about clients, talking about yeah. all of these counterparties, sophistication, da, 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 da. This is just a little simulation winking during Davos week, you know? Everyone talking about the commercial side of all this and, and Credit Suisse, you know, so Credit Suisse is the big bank over there and they're getting into real trouble right now. So Davos is in Switzerland, Credit Suisse is the big international Swiss bank. So they're having a lot of financial troubles. There's a run on the stock itself, the value of the stock. There's been their bond, I guess they issued is not doing very well. So I don't know the exact details of what kind of crunch they're in, but it's pretty bad. And so they had to bring up the CEO to address it. And the simulation just winked at us by giving us the name of it. Do you know what the name of their CEO is? What's Layman? Oh yeah. Layman. <laughs> it's a layman. Say it, say it again. You broke up. Layman. Layman. As in like the layman. <laughs> so the layman is the CEO of the Credit Suisse who 
could be the thing that triggers a lot of what we saw oh boy. 13, 14 years ago. So I just saw that coming out of WEF as well, and I thought that was pretty funny. So, Oh, yeah, Credit Suisse is in a whole heap of trouble. This, this last quote here is from another person. This is from Citigroup's chief CEO, Jane Frazier. And she said it was important to step back from debating crypto as new and shiny, though maybe less new and shiny, and instead turn to more urgent considerations. Quote, let's focus on the issues that really matter to the world right now. How do we weather through the storms we're facing at the moment? And what struck me about this is just the total, like, you know, we don't even care about Bitcoin, it doesn't matter. So how are they going to be able to build a coalition to coordinate international regulation over an asset that my clients want, you know, and that solves all these problems around the world? No, let's not worry about this. We Let's shove it off in the back. If we give it too much attention, people are going to notice. So let's talk about things that really matter, like ESG and how do we stop people from heating their homes in the winter. So any so thoughts good, on this, this yeah, comment? The, the good news is this is who we're up against, right? This yeah. is who we're up against. So, so the good news is the, the sum total of their success can be described like this. Scott Adams says, wrote this and, and tweeted it about, and he's the creator of Dilbert, right? So mm. he is the sort of master of criticizing this executive class and, and managerial class of people. So he goes, you know, the creator of Dilbert was impressed with the track record of WEF, and this is what he wrote about it. For example, they watched Norway create a fund, took credit for the work of members, mobilized coalitions, bragged about the work of signatories, teamed with others, signed a compact to develop a framework which will allow the measurement of a long-term approach, agreed to six principles, and endorsed a plan. <laughs> <laughs> it's all just stupid fluff, these people, you know? She wants to focus on the priorities. Well, Good news is let her go in her tangential of nonsense, yeah. of fake work, of nothing, and let them work. Let you know the. Uh, I'm going to try and say the word correctly. The Sisyphean. Did I get it? The Sisyphean, the 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 torturous punishment of the person who had to push the ball yeah. up the hill for their whole life. Right. Okay. It's the same. It's the same incentive trap that I was talking about for the WEF show. Right. They're already kind of in it. <laughs> <laughs> Some yeah. of them are already in it, right? They're still getting paid because they're close to the money printer. But I think it was uh, Jeff Jeff Ross, Jeff Booth, one of one of the Jeffs in Bitcoin on Twitter said that like we shouldn't think of them as elites in so much as they're the people who have benefited the most from being the, near the money printer. And and that's what we're seeing writ large, right? We're seeing the benefits of being not like us doing Fed Watch where we're watching them, but being like Fed Touch. You know, they're 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 into the Fed Touch situation right get touched by the fed let the fed touch you you'll get you know these benefits but we're, we're not we're, we're we're not playing that game right that's why we're bitcoiners we're not letting the fed touch us and we're not touching them either right we're in the world where and i think that is the the, the main schism that we're going through in the world and that our show bitcoin 2023 is about and davos is about right the the system that they're describing is the world where you have a boss right? Whether it's a manager or whatever, you know, this is a world of bosses and people who follow. And that was the way it was built. In the world of Bitcoin and the world we're headed, it is the world of I'm not the boss of you and you're not the boss of me. And and we're going to get along yeah. just fine under those conditions. So that's what we're looking at here. They want to get back to their priorities, which means they want to write an email to a person for a plan that no one will ever be able to measure and no one understands and no one cares. Nobody cares. Yeah. That's the good right people want energy they want gas stoves they want electricity they want gas they want cheap energy they want to go places they want to move places they want to do things and in the end bitcoin is going to calibrate i think the entire energy market and become the main measurement of that market and therefore our path to victory right yeah i have a little bit different take on the who these people are i think they're extremely religious people they're religious people in a secular world and they're trying to find some religion to latch onto. And that happens to be being a technocrat, you know, saving the planet. That's their religion. So that's, that's how I see these people at WEF. They're actually religious people in a secular world. And they pride themselves on being secular, even though they're the most religious people out there, in my opinion. So anyway, let's go on to the last topic of the day. We have about eight minutes left for the hour. And this is the BIS report. They, they put out these bulletins. 
And you can see the title of this is Addressing Risks in Crypto, Laying Out the Options. And I have a different view on the BIS than most people. Most people think they're evil. You know, the bank, the central bank of central banks, they're kind of like the final boss and that Karsten Augustus or whatever his name is, the, 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 the head of the BIS, he just kind of looks like a final boss type character. But what I think, I've, I almost look at the BIS as, I have indifference towards them. They have some good academic papers that help you see what the people are thinking out there because they don't hide it, right? They, these people will be honest with you how they think. And so you just read their papers and you understand them a little bit better. But the BIS to me is not evil. It's just kind of non-important. So let's dive into, go ahead. Let me if I'm wrong, because I, I, you know, when I worked with, when I worked in the Senate in Canada, with Mark mm -hmm. Carney, when he was the governor in Canada, and he was the governor of the BIS simultaneous to that. Okay. And my understanding at the time was they don't actually even have a balance sheet, right? They, they have the ability to help settle between nations but they're not the same as a central bank like the fed that runs a balance sheet but i, I could be totally yeah. wrong about that but that was no, that's, my impression that's correct i don't i don't think they're actually a bank they they're if they tank. are yeah they're a think tank basically think tank. Yeah, yeah yeah they're the think tank for central banks and that they also my, set that was always my understanding yeah. yeah and they set the basel requirements so yeah. they're located in basel switzerland another swiss organization here but they they set these Basel requirements. It used to be like 4% you had to have as your fractional reserve. Then it was like, they defined different tiers of capital that you could have. You had to have so much of tier one capital, so much of tier two capital. They actually just included Bitcoin in one of those tiers. So you can hold, yeah. So it's, they have legitimized Bitcoin as oh, part of that. the tier structure of Basel. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have to cover that in a future show. But they I threw thought, out the conditions around COVID time, didn't they? Like the actual capitalization of banks, the thresholds were reverted back. They were supposed to come in. Well, they didn't, they didn't, the Fed did that actually for, for the United States. And I think most central banks did that for their own jurisdictions, but the BIS, I don't think changed anything. They come out every few years, every couple of years with slight revisions. And the most recent one was adding Bitcoin to that. Yeah, sorry. Tier, what I meant was the, I guess it was Basel three was supposed to go into enforcement or action. And then they just like didn't oh, proceed with it or something. Like they might've delayed it a little bit. I don't, I don't remember exactly, but yeah, no, do I. I, yeah, but we'll, we'll cover the, some of the Bitcoin requirements or, or tier structure that you can use Bitcoin on in a future show. But this was an interesting thing here that they had, and you might've seen this image floating around the internet. So let's jump into the next slide, this slide number 14, and let's go through this. So after the failure of several major crypto firms, addressing the risks of crypto markets has become a more pressing policy issue. Crypto asset markets, I mean, it's crypto, crypto firms, crypto assets. They just never say Bitcoin or Bitcoin ecosystem or Bitcoin industry, which we all know that that's the only thing out there. Anyway, so crypto markets have gone through booms and busts before, and so far the busts have not led to wider contagion threatening financial stability. Yet the scale and prominence of recent failures heighten the urgency of addressing these risks before crypto markets become systemic. And I wanted to point out that they know that Bitcoin is not gonna die. They know Bitcoin is here to stay. And they said, we need to address these risks because it's going to become systemic. They know Bitcoin is gonna become systemic. So they, that is what they're trying to head off here. So continuing, the crypto ecosystem and the shadow financial functions it engages in through centralized financial entities and decentralized finance protocols share many of the vulnerabilities that are familiar from traditional finance, but several factors exacerbate the standard risks. These relate to high leverage, liquidity, and maturity mismatches and substantial information asymmetries. Policy responses should consider how to address these sources of risk appropriately given the borderless nature of crypto. This bulletin briefly summarizes the lessons in of the 2002, geez, 2022 turmoil. It then outlines three non-mutually exclusive lines of action to address the risks of Bitcoin, a ban, containment, and regulation, as well as their pros and cons. So my thought here is this doesn't describe any risks for Bitcoin. They're talking about leverage and liquidity and maturity mismatches. These are all industry, corporate, 
traditional finance functions. These have nothing to do really with Bitcoin. They don't talk about Bitcoin. They don't talk about smart contracts. They don't talk about, you know, like multi-sig, lightning network. They don't talk about any of this. All they talk about is the tradition, traditional financial functions, leverage, liquidity, and maturity mismatches. So Nolan, do you have any comments on this or should we go on to the image? Yeah, that's a, <clears throat> a good observation. They're talking about the financial engineering aspects of it, which are already looked at with suspicion by Bitcoiners as it is, mm -hmm. right? You know, it's, it's, that, that's the problem when you mix and match crypto with Bitcoin is that you're, you're mix and matching exactly. worldviews at this point, right? Yep. You're mix and matching worldviews. They're not the same thing. Exactly, exactly. Okay, let's pull up this, this image because it's, it's a, a pretty image and it goes through the ways that they think about banning, containing, and regulating. I mean, some of these are pretty good. So let's go through these. Ban, it's a specific, or to ban specific crypto activities. So pros are it will eliminate potential harm to the financial system and it will prevent losses due to crypto service provider misconduct. Of course, nothing in there about like benefits of it being money, it's all about the industry. So the cons of banning it are, it could conflict with founding principles of society. Okay, yeah, it could be illegal or unconstitutional, that's what they mean. Useful innovations would be lost or delayed. And one thing I, I wanna point out here is like the BIS, it's in Switzerland, you know, it's in Europe, it's not part of the European Union, but it is there and, you know, part of the Euro area they are going to really regret doing these regulations because the U.S. is not going to do regulations. They're not going to get coordination from around the world. Japan's not going to do them. It's going to, instead of maybe becoming some sort of Silicon Valley of crypto or Bitcoin, the Europeans are going to piss that down their leg too. Just like they pissed down their leg, the original Silicon Valley. I mean, these people you, you don't are insanely stupid. We're not waiting for them. <laughs> okay, the last con of this ban is it may be circumvented in practice. I mean, <laughs> they know they can't do this. All right, number, the second one is contain. So isolate crypto from TradFi and the real economy. The pros are to prevent crypto from damaging the real economy. All right, avoid giving crypto a regulatory seal of approval. Well, that if you try to contain it, you're actually saying that it's something good. So, you know, just like the people that do ransomware, they want real money. They don't want fake money. The cons of containing it are fully effective firewall may not be feasible. And the investor protection and market integrity risks within crypto remain. Oh man, so they, uh, at least I can sense that they realize they can't really do much to ban it or contain it. Yeah, th this is a capitulation. Okay, now regulate now, they could actually do something here on the regulatory side. So let's see what they say. So regulators or regulate the sector in a manner akin to TradFi. I mean, that's how they should look at this. They should just, hey, let's just regulate a Bitcoin exchange like we regulate the New York Stock Exchange, right? That's, that's how they should look at pros. Ensure consistency in regulating financial activities allow responsible players to innovate in a regulated space. And the cons are challenge to map crypto and TradFi activities and entities. So not everything is a one-to-one -one, that this is covered under this regulation and that regulation. I mean, I think it is for the big corporate businesses. It's not for say Bitcoin or Lightning Network or Liquid. Those things are new and hard to classify. So I can see that, but for the companies, they definitely can do a one-to-one. -one. And the last thing they say is challenges for enforcement, given lack of clear reference points in some cases in DeFi. So at least they're seeing, I think, the proper limitations to their role here. And the last thing, Nolan, before I get your response on this is the, the last thing in the orange box, develop an alternative and my face is over this, build infrastructure to allow for sound innovation. So develop an alternative, like a CBDC, you know? Like well, a, is, what I like is that this is, this is one of those things where they're relying on like Janet Yellen to go on the road and like sell something, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> she's the correct, she's the charismatic, we're gonna innovate, you know? We're gonna build something new and it's gonna be great and you're gonna get all the things you want.
on. So, and it's these people who think, you know, it's, it's that whole group of people who believed in the managerial class and that kind of corporate structure for all those years of work at one point and now has like the money to interest a burning pile of caca and you end up getting these people who believe that's a plan. Like remember when Janet Yellen had to go on the global taxation (laughs) sales tour? I mean, have you ever seen anything more pathetic than little Janet Yellen? going to countries and saying, you got to tax them just like us. Otherwise they're going to leave and they're not going to pay us the money. What are you doing? Now she got her way with a few of them, right? She did. She got away with a few of them, but not enough and not all of them. And one can imagine a bunch of people were like, well, what are you doing here, lady? Get the hell are you like? So these are sovereign countries that she's telling what to do regularly. And that's what it would take, right? It's a bunch of sovereign countries that they believe now will become so charming and charismatic that right you know basically it's their big dream that jfk is going to come back alive and you know inspire everyone <laughs> to do the right thing for everybody it's the peace corps right we're gonna get it done that country's gone forget it guys you know yeah they, they rely on coordination and coordination is breaking down collaboration is breaking down mm-hmm. international institutions are losing trust left and right mm-hmm. and so all of their plans they're you know, best laid plans rely on some international institution to enforce it. Yeah. And they don't, they yeah. just don't have that anymore. Yeah. So, and, but and I a think, charmer to hypnotize people to get them to be into it. Yeah. And I think that they, they, th- this whole working paper or whatever that we're going over here, I think they do. If someone is to read this, so let's say some regulator somewhere in the world is going to read this paper. I think they're going to walk away with saying, crap, we can't ban it. We can't contain it. I mean, we could try to start talking about regulation, but even the BIS, the think tank of central banks, they don't know. They don't know how to do this. They're saying that maybe these are some options. So it just, I think it's, it's very positive because it shows like they don't know what's going on and they're start. It's starting to sink into them that they can't ban it or contain it. So very, very interesting. But that's all the time we have, Nolan. Do you want to plug your show or plug some Bitcoin magazine stuff? Indeed. You can catch us every day, 8 a.m. again on Twitter. You can count, find me at CountBTC, the same on YouTube. And every day, 8 a.m. And we talk a lot about programming, Bitcoin 2023, May 18th to 20th in Miami. And we're going to be talking about all this kind of stuff. We have all kinds of big names. You're going to see. We got the best macro people. We got the best people to look at what's going on in the Fed. We're going to talk about no more taxation. We got all kinds of independent journalists coming. We're going to talk about energy literacy, everything you need to get ahead in the world and be the biggest American rebel you can be, which is to get rich, right? That's the best way to win World War III is to get rich. And then you don't have to listen to these people. So. We're trying to help people get smart, get financially literate, get literate in energy, right? Which is a whole new thing, like being literate in energy grids, finding out why you're paying so much for energy and maybe saying it's because, you know, Greta, whether she's happy or not, is not really a good way to run your energy policy in your country, right? You should not care how Greta is doing if you want a good energy (laughs) policy. I don't think she's happy still, no matter what people have done. But, you know, we're not here for Greta's happiness. We're here for... A whole new group of people whose childhood we don't want stolen for real and and that's yep. what's up awesome awesome yep check out bitcoinandmarkets.com for all the stuff i'm doing also check out bitcoinday.io if you are in south florida there is a bitcoin day event in naples on this saturday and there's i think there's still a few tickets left so check out bitcoinday.io i will be there greg foss will be there uh, uh, as well as a few other bitcoiners so it should be a high signal show small audience high signal guests and speakers so check out bitcoinday.io for future stuff if you can't make it to naples they are traveling around the country so that's all i have for today what is up audio listeners thank you for enjoying another episode of fedwatch down in the show notes, you will find all the appropriate links to our social media, the original version of this podcast, and community links. Also, check out BitcoinAndMarkets.com, where I put out a free weekly newsletter every Friday. And there you can also help support the show by signing up to become a paid member. See you next time.
My fellow plebs, come celebrate Bitcoin winner in Miami at Bitcoin 2023. The largest Bitcoin conference in the world returns to Miami from Miami 18th to 20th. Head on over to b.tc forward slash conference to get your tickets today. Use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off your tickets before prices go up. Magazine time, y'all. Bitcoin is for everyone, lefties, righties, and the rejectors of the false dichotomy alike. And that is why the newest Bitcoin magazine print edition is called the Orange Party Issue. It features articles by President Naib Bukele, Jeff Dice, Natalie Smolinski, Eric Kaysen, Max Kaiser, and Jimmy Song. Get your copy from the local Barnes & Noble bookstore or from the Bitcoin Magazine store at bitcoinmagazine.com and use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off your annual subscription today. Plebs, if you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, then you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's a free and a paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts Dylan LeClaire, Dr. Jeff Ross, and Sam Rule break down what's going on in the market so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com.